Four Against the Void is over, but you can commemorate the trials and triumphs of the Torkoal Tones with the Critical Hit Season 1 Limited Edition t-shirt. This classy red armor slot item features the likenesses of Orem, Randus, Torque, and Smith. The Season 1 shirt is perfect for a night on the town, gaming with friends, or facing down aberrant polydimensional god beings. Funnel cakes and healing potions are not included. Major spoilers, not responsible for excessive levels of awesome. This is your chance to own a piece of critical hit history, because once these shirts are gone, they're gone for good. That's right. You need to order your shirt by December 15th, 2010. Order it today and make each of your rolls a critical hit. Head over to the Major Spoilers store, majorspoilers.com slash store. This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to faithful spoiler out Larry King and his suspenders. Chicago, this one's for you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, I tolerate this century, but I don't enjoy it. Logic, my dear, merely enables one to be wrong with authority. Mind you, I'm not wild about computers myself, but they're a tool, and if you have a tool, it's stupid not to use it. The very powerful and the very stupid have one thing in common. They don't alter their views to fit the facts. They alter the facts to fit their views. I'm not the man I used to be. Thank goodness. That's three eyes and one breath makes you sound like a rather egotistical young lady. Every dogma has its day, and two wrongs don't make a left turn. I love humans always seeing patterns in things that aren't there. I just want to tell you, before I go, you were fantastic. And do you know what? So was I. No second chances. I'm that sort of man. 20 minutes to save the world, and I have a post office. And it's shut. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air! Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. We'll let you scratch your head and bang the rocks together as you try to figure out Matthew's intro this week. Eleven quotes for forty-seven years. You do the math. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, on the day we recorded, of course, the day it's released, it's kind of like belated. Well, who knows? What belated after the, the fact. We're not going to tell anybody. The future, you say. But remember, folks, if you Time know, travel, hold you it say. and lord it over your friends. Stephen Francis lord, Schleicher, lord it over you people. You shut your big bald face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey everybody, right. welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Steven just got canned. Rodrigo and I are going to do the show, and it's going to be awesome. Let's talk about some. Let's talk about some news. Got uh, three items <laughs> to talk about this week. Would have had another one, but it came in just under the wire as we were getting ready to set up and record. But first of all, what's going on with those all those Image Comics teasers? Those weird, crazy teasers that we've been running up on the site. Calvin and Hobbes turns twenty five, and the Green Lantern trailer arrives. Also, something that broke last week when we were recording the show. Mm. Uh, which one, uh, let's roll that Wheel of Destiny and see which one we end up talking about. The big Wheel of Destiny. Lands on cranberry sauce with a side of sweet potatoes. I can't Cal- Calvin and Hobbes turned 25 this past week. Aww. Kind of a milestone Aww. for a uh, character that really hasn't been in print for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Calvin well, and Hobbes started in yeah. like 88, 89, 95, 85. 85. Ended in 1995. November of 85. Hence the 25th anniversary being in 2010. Yes, Play exactly. along, Stephen. Exactly. Math is hard. Let's go shopping. 
When do you uh, remember reading Calvin and Hobbes for the first time, Matthew? I delivered newspapers when I was a kid. So I read the very first Calvin and Hobbes cartoon when they syndicated it in 1985. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually, it's the one where uh, Hobbes, well, Calvin is telling his dad about how to catch a tiger. Right. And in the last panel, you see Hobbes hanging with a tuna fish sandwich. He's like, we're kind of stupid that way. Yeah. And at the time, I was a huge fan of Bloom County and Doonesbury. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I would actually stop and read the actual comics page. And in 85, the comics page wasn't quite as moribund as it is today. But I remember reading the first one and going, oh, this could go somewhere. And then Spaceman Spiff showed up, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I love this stuff. I uh, Our newspaper didn't run Calvin and Hobbes until about two years later. And so I, I, I know. Can you believe that? Um, and so I picked it up as a collected volume um, at a bookstore that's no longer there at the White Lakes Mall when it was there. I think it was a Beatles, as Beatles? a matter of fact. <laughs> it may have yep. been a Beatles. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember my friend and I went up there with his parents, and we were going around, and I found the book in the bookstore. I was like, oh, this is funny. I should, I should buy it. And all the way home, we were just in the backseat just rolling in hysterics, tears pouring out of our, our eyes because of these, these comments that this little – a five or six year old or however old he was, eight year old kid was making. And the, his parents were like, what are you two doing back there? You know, shut up. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, it started showing up in our, in our newspaper and I was hooked. I mean, if there was one thing that I had to read every day for 10 years, it was Calvin and Hobbes. Even on Sunday, I would even make a point of trying to get a Sunday paper so I could read those big color adventures. Those are the cool ones where we usually saw the Spaceman Spiff, mm-hmm. Traveling in Time, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, Transmogrifier. Transmogrifier was awesome. Cardboard box that lets you do anything that you want. Mm-hmm. That is super awesome. Was there a particular character or plot line or story point that you were a big fan of, Rodrigo? Um... I guess I like the I like the ones where Calvin you just see Calvin's thought process or just the things that Calvin finds interesting uh-huh. where you end up like uh having uh, dinosaurs uh, on F15 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and things like that or just <laughs> you know, cuz you can tell it's just like oh you know what's awesome this and it's like but well, you know what is even more awesome robots and then all of a sudden like it's just like the thing just degenerates as far as consistency but increases exponentially in awesomeness yes yes those are those are probably the ones that i like the most there was a time period one winter where it was like every strip for 2 weeks was calvin posing snowmen in different yeah, and, positions and, yeah. and his dad just mm-hmm. like freaking out like what you know just i even as a younger person i always pictured myself as calvin's dad just this <laughs> guy that's sitting there going what is wrong with this kid i don't understand and now that i have a kid mm-hmm. i start to see some calvinism starting to appear yes. but but not scary. actual calvinism <laughs> well i hope not <laughs> i hope not <laughs> In fact, a lot of people don't realize that that's He's not going to uh, nail anything to the church door. Yeah, no, wait, I'm sorry, that's Lutheran. That's, uh, that's right. A lot of people don't realize that Calvin and Hobbes were named after the philosophers, hmm. uh, Calvin and, and, uh, and Hobbes, which is kind of cool. Um, but the other ones really? that, were always, that were always kind of poignant, to me at least, were the ones where Calvin is being smug and he and, and Hobbes are having a fight, mm-hmm. and then Calvin walks away and there's just this stuffed bear that's sitting there. And he's lost... 
he lost Hobbs several times over the years because of that. And he was always like, ha, I don't need that that uh, stuffed tiger. And then all of a sudden he's like, where, where's Hobbs? And yeah. just freak outs at night, Susie Dur- uh, what's her name, Jenkins, Durkins, uh, picking him up and carrying him home or just being lost in the woods for a couple of days. Those were good, too. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matthew? Did you have a favorite storyline or, or series that you liked beyond the Not Space Not so much a series, stuff? but there were a couple of recurring gags that just struck me as amazing. His, uh, his Not a Crush on Susie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was always fun. The, the, I think the, one of the earlier Susie appearances, she's like, what did you have? My mom made me a sandwich. And she's like, <laughs> squid eyeballs. I like to yeah. suck out the retinas. Yeah. And uh, the thing that's interesting is Susie has her own pet, Mr. Bun, who may or may not have a similar life to Hobbes, which I think is hysterical. She and Calvin are very similar, and it's the the fact that you know he starts a whole club, get rid of slimy girls. Yeah, uh, spelled gross. I love that. <laughs> girls apparently starts with an S, but yeah, that's fascinating and i really liked the series um where he would go and he would start to fantasize i think the one that always sticks with me is the one where they're at the uh, they're at the museum and he starts imagining that he turns into a giant dinosaur and smashes everything mm-hmm. and it ends with his dad going we'd better go he's got that smile again <laughs> did you know uh do you know what uh, calvin's dad did for a living i did not know what calvin's dad what did he do patent attorney Right, yeah, I remember Mom that. was a stay-at-home mom, and so that's why... I always wondered why his dad was always going to the office in, like, you know, a black suit and black mm-hmm. tie. Of course, it was a black and white strip, but, you know... Uh, Patent sure. attorney? Patent How attorney. do we know this? Uh, there was a, there was a reference in one of, the, one of the strips where he either... Um, it's one of the early ones where he calls his dad at work, where somebody calls at home and a Calvin's going through papers or something. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, there's also the wiki that, that says it, but... Um, I always thought that that dad looked remarkably like Dennis the Menace's dad. I didn't know if that <laughs> yeah, was intentional. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind there of. was something to that. Yeah, you know when we that posted same kind of angular face. when we posted this story uh, up on the Majorspoilers.com website. Uh, one of there's the people, a website. Yes, one of the people that posted said that. Man, maybe it wasn't up. Maybe it's up on the forums. Uh, but one of the members posted that he actually grew up a few blocks away from where Bill Watterson mm-hmm. uh, lived. And so all the woods that Calvin played in were the same woods that this that one of these uh, posters played in. And I thought, hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Bill Watterson, total recluse. Yep. Don't know where he's went, I think where the he's coolest, gone. The coolest part about Watterson is the fact that he, there are no stuffed Hobbes dolls, and there are no Slurpee cups, and there are no Calvin and Hobbes, you know, action figures. And by the way, all the peeing Calvins yep. are illegal. copyright infringement yep. and illegal. But I, I remember having an argument in the early days of the internet, back when it was all Usenet, and someone was claiming that not merchandising the character was, and his exact words were something like, a clear violation of the uh, implied covenant between creator and fan. And I'm like, really? You think that Bill Watterson owes it to you to make a stuffed Calvin doll? Mm-hmm. And it always struck me as really odd that people have such a, a strange response. You know, comic strips especially tend to be heavily marketed. Right. Uh, Dolly Madison alone 
I mean, probably owes Charles Schultz hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, you know, and I so think that's weird I think to have something the, that doesn't you know, transcend that. But I think that's kind of the thing that people thought that ownership that they had or that what was owed to them was merchandising mm-hmm. because at the time, the only other highly popular comic strip was Peanuts. You know, Garfield. Oh, I well, wouldn't go that far. Yeah, and Garfield. Bloom County. But look Garfield, at all. But look at all of those. Look at all of those other very popular comic strips that had merchandise out the wing wang. I mean, there's Opus dolls. Yep. There's Build a Cat dolls. There's uh, all the Peanuts crap and the Snoopy crap that you could shake a stick at. Garfield and all yep. of his uh, window Garfield hanging things. Underneath. And so I think I'm people were sure just there like, are Garfield adult undergarments. Well, I, I don't want to know about that. Um, but at some point, I think people were just Mondays. like, we want, we want the Calvin and Hobbes merchandise. And, and Watterson was like, no, I don't want to ruin my creation like that. Um, I was trying to find, I, I thought it was, really cool. I thought it was comics coast to coast, comics coast to coast.com. I thought some years ago they went and did an interview with Watterson's mother and actually went over to his mother's house. Mm-hmm. Watterson hasn't really ever done anything. I think the last thing that he did was the foreword to um, his three-volume collection, The Complete Calvin and Hobbes, mm. which weighs a ton and a half. But if you, uh, if you own it, you know how awesome uh, that collection is. Why would he have to do anything else? Well, that's the thing. I mean, he, cre- he created something that's awesome. And, you know, we don't ever have, at, at least at this point, you know, God knows what he's going to do in the future. But we don't ever have to look and say, you know... This second series that he did was never as funny. Or mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes really went downhill when you know they added these additional characters, and it was all about Snoopy. Or you know uh, when Garfield died starving in a house one Halloween, and the rest of the entire thing is just a hallucination. We don't ever have to have that moment where we watch Calvin and Hobbes jump the shark. Because Bill walked away when he was satisfied. He walked away pretty much at the top of his game, certainly at the top of his uh, industry. Well, and that's... I think there's you know, there's something pure to be said about that. Go out on top and go find something else to do with your life. Well, but that's the thing. He hasn't done anything else that's public. Like, forget Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Sure. He, oh, he's, he's totally dropped out of public view. He, But, you know, presumably... He's a writer, he's an artist, and we haven't seen anything new by him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he's, you know, if he's working on any new projects, he hasn't said. Uh, it says here in um, 2005, Watterson answered 15 questions submitted by readers for the Los Angeles Times. 2007, Watterson wrote a review of Schultz and Peanuts, the biography of Charles Schultz in the Wall Street Journal. 2008, he provided a foreword to the first book collection of Richard Thompson's cul-de-sac comic strip. And cul-de-sac is a, another great strip if you're not reading that. Um, and then it says in early 2010, Watterson was interviewed by the Plain Dealer on the 15th anniversary of the end of Calvin and Hobbes, explaining his decision to discontinue the strip. And other than that, he is not in the public view. I heard at one point, though, Matthew, you were talking about uh, the uh, Calvin peeing on the Ford or the Chevy or the mm-hmm. whatever, whatever Calvin's peeing mm-hmm. on this week. Uh, there were times that he would actually stop people when he would sell, uh, see them and tell them that was a copyright violation. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, uh, I think the quote that, that I keep hearing is he clearly miscalculated how popular it would be to have Calvin peeing on stuff. <laughs> but, 
the P and Calvins used to anger me. The P and Calvins used to really make me mad. Why? And, you know, I, I don't even remember. I think it was probably, you know, the same thought process where I said, you know, where I got mad at the guy for saying that, that Watterson owed us something. It seemed like stealing someone's idea and mm. taking it to that, you know, that grotesque extreme. Because, you know, Calvin is a cartoon six-year-old. I don't think he has a penis, as far as we know. <laughs> Excuse me. I apologize for the inconvenience. I didn't hit my sneeze button in time. That's okay. But it, it it's so vulgar, and it's so obnoxious. And usually it's being used by some ignorant pus bucket to show his contempt for something that's really meaningless, like, you know, the logo of another sports team or the type of truck that he doesn't drive. And I don't know, for some reason it just seemed, and I obviously still have a little bit of this because it's coming out, but it just seemed kind of, you know, disgusting to me to take something like Calvin and Hobbes that was always kind of innocent and fun. And certainly it would touch on, dark issues it would touch on things like you know mortality in those weird ways but it was not about a kid whipping out his euphramistat yeah. and peeing on things and <laughs> you know it that it kind of bothered me it kind of offended me yeah and you know now that i'm old i i try not to be offended by ridiculous stupid crap but right uh, oftentimes I fail as the woman across the room looking at me going, you're offended by everything. What's wrong with you? Shut your face. <laughs> That's That, by the way, is exactly how my wife talks. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad she didn't make it on the it podcast. They're all going to laugh at you. Now, for Matthew tonight. <laughs> now I'm getting the finger. Awesome. <laughs> so how about that Calvin and Hobbes, huh? You know, I, I really l- loved it. Uh, it's still one of those things that will hold a dear, 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 dear place in my heart for years to come. And I cannot wait to sit my son down dear, and say, dear, 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 read dear, this dear, stuff. Dear, it's dear. good stuff. Yeah. Cause, uh, and then uh, you can give him tales, tunes for our times. Yes. And you can say, this is much more dated and probably doesn't age as well. But the penguin is funny. And then I'm going to give him what's the uh, what's the Perry Bible Fellowship, and I'm going to have him read that when he's five. Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. I think I that's something say, that people. Steven, no offspring of you is going to be able to read when he's five. <laughs> oh, you know this kid. This kid is smart. <laughs> this kid is smart and a smart oh, ass. Yeah, but, you know, that's a tale for another time. Hey, uh, listeners, you know in a couple Steve? of days, in a couple of days, I want to tell people this really quick. In a couple of days, uh, tune into the feed. I don't know where this is going to appear or how it's going to appear, but Matthew and I are going to dissect and break down the most recent uh, Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated series, The Knights of Tomorrow. You want to look for that in your uh, major spoilers feed. What were you going to say, Matthew? I was going to say, you know what? What? Batman butt. <laughs> that is my son's favorite thing right now. Uh, that and call me a basketball head, which I have no idea why he calls me a basketball head. But anyway. Steven, have you actually looked at your head? <laughs> Spalding! <laughs> Don't forget, listeners, you've only got a well, couple more weeks. Uh... A couple more weeks. December 15th is the date, the absolute cutoff date, where we close sales for the limited edition critical hit uh, season one t-shirt. This is a fine polyfiber blend t-shirt. 
mm-hmm. with the likenesses of Orem and Smith and Randis and Torque on them. You can show support for Critical Hit, one of the most popular podcasts that we've done in a long time, by picking up one of these shirts. Uh, it's only nineteen ninety five. That's a great price. We will ship around the world, but you have to have your orders in and paid for. I know there's a couple of people out there who have ordered, but they haven't paid. Mm. You have to have it in and paid for by December 15th. If you wait till the 16th, that's out. You're out. Yep. You're not going to get anything. And uh, uh, one of our, our good, good, dear, 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 dear friends, Aldo, <laughs> has mentioned maybe a possible contest that I need to contact him about. So it might be an even bigger reason for you to get one of these t-shirts. Do it. Do it, Rodrigo says. Do you need anything more than Rodrigo telling you to do it? Do it. Um, yes, generally. Hey, stick around. We're going to come back. Rule. We're going to be talking about some listener email, and we're going to get into some reviews. 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 Right after this. Raw reviews. Raw reviews. How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one. Visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Yes, yes, thank you so much to everyone who's contributed to the Major Spoilers cause. And donating that money, especially Larry King. We know that you have millions doing that stuff for CNN, uh, and thank you for contributing just a, right. a little little money. But he's got that. like nine different alimony payments. Well, yeah, too, I was going to so. say, he's got all those wives he's got to take care of, so 10 bucks may be a lot. And his pills alone would bankrupt most Middle Eastern countries. Sam from Mexico writes in and says, hey, I've got a simple question. Do you guys like comic book-inspired video games? If so, what are your favorites? And are you excited about the new Marvel vs. Capcom game? Thank you, and may the force be with you, Rodrigo. You're our resident uh, game expert. Uh huh. Do which you is, like? Which is sad. <laughs> do you like the? Uh, do you like comic books inspired by video games? Um, or comic book inspired video games? I guess that inc- include you know like the Supermans, the X Men yeah. games, all that um, stuff. Obviously, as a rule, you you can't say oh comic book inspired. Video games are good or bad because there have been terrible uh, comic book video games. Superman N64, for one. Right. (laughs) What about Superman Atari? (laughs) (laughs) That was an awful game. But, um, yeah, there have been some great ones. The old X-Men arcade game, which actually I think is going back on, like, either Xbox Marketplace. Exactly. Was that an ar- the arcade game version yep. of that? Okay. Um, which was really great because it did feature a lot of X-Men villains and a lot of right, X-Men right. stuff and a bunch of X-Men Roger using not the you. powers that they had in the comics. Because Wolverine's Yeah, super Colossus move, had an explosion. Yeah, Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> Colossus. Yeah. You can tell that I'm leaving for vacation in like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> Colossus. <laughs> Uh, like had this energy aura that came out. Wolverine had laser claws, and Nightcrawler basically turned into the Flash, right? Um, for their super duper moves. So yeah, they there was no. Uh, I was Flash just like, crawler. oh, this is kind of like maybe what their powers maybe do, but not really. Um, 
The I liked Maximum Carnage when that video game came out. It mm-hmm. was just a big, you know, Final Fight clone, but it was still pretty good. Um, the I th- I think I've talked about it before. The uh, Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man for the GameCube was really good. Yeah. Um, they really got the um, web dynamics pretty good. You know, to the point where, like, in the old, like, in the N64 Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man actually did that thing from the old show where he just shot his web straight into the air and you could just go right. wherever you wanted. In Ultimate Spider-Man, you actually have to hit a building with your webs. Mm. And it's not like you have to aim or anything. But sometimes there's nothing to web to, so you have to actually do what Spider-Man does, which is, you know, flip in midair and try to figure out where you can shoot a web to so you don't die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was that was pretty interesting. Um, and you can also play as Venom, which was cool. Um, I don't know. There's been there's been a bunch of good video game of good uh, comic book video games, um, and there's been some really terrible ones. But you know, as a general rule, it's worth giving it a chance. I was a big fan. Of course, I don't play a lot of video games. I mentioned Superman Atari. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I got an Xbox years ago. I still have the origi- you know the Xbox, the PlayStation Two. The one game that I really got a kick out of was X-Men Legends on Xbox. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a fun, fun game uh, where you can control, I think it was like four players yep. at the same time, and the fact that you went through all of these major story arcs that appeared mm-hmm. in the comics, and if you unlock certain levels or got certain uh, keys, you could change characters out into older costumes, like mm-hmm. you could have uh, Jean Grey turn into the Phoenix and, and that kind of stuff. So right. I always thought that was really cool. I uh, don't think I ever completed that. Same way with X-Men Legends 2. I don't think I ever finished that one either. But those that, those are the two that stand in my mind as you know, a lot of really people, fun games. A lot of people like X-Men Legends, and I just couldn't get into it. How come? I, got, I don't know. I, it, there's just... It, maybe it's the wrong kind of repetitive for me. Mm. Because obviously, you know, I'm into... Yeah, it's all smash know, and punch. I've played video games that are repetitive that I like just fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Like I, I, I've started it a couple times, and I just picked up my saves after leaving it for a couple weeks, and right. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. Oh uh, yeah. I'm yeah, not feeling it. Uh, you got to remember too that I come from the era where uh, uh, Scroll Brian and I would routinely go to the video rental store and check out the um, X Men game for the Sega uh, 16. And play that game, which was just a side scroll or punch, 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 punch. Right, right. So that's probably why we like, well, the, or why I like X Men Legends. And and I have played X Men Legends with other people, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. But it's you know potentially because yeah, you've got uh, because back to yeah, those, and yeah. because um, my old roommate had X Men Legends, and he there were certain characters that he liked to play, and I played different characters. It's like I didn't even remember because I think this was I don't know if it was the first or the second one. Was like I didn't even realize that you could play the Juggernaut. Like I unlocked him a long time ago, and I've never played him. So he got to pick two characters, and I got to pick two. So it was like Cyclops and Wolverine, and then mine were like Toad and Juggernaut. Uh-huh. So that was fun. Cool, Matthew. What about you? You got some uh, favorite comic inspired video games? generally for me the video games that i enjoy are either things where i can sit and build characters for month upon month upon month or things where i can go out and you know drive over pedestrians and shoot hookers so so you're a big fan of the wrestling games where you can customize your character or the um what is it the sins not the sin city stuff the grand theft autos Autos. i'm a huge fan of those you know, I would hate to see. I would hate to see what happens if you got your hands on DC Universe 
online. Well, you can probably do that by looking at his City of Heroes and Champions Online accounts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing else. When they were giving away free accounts, I created like 19 characters in those three days. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And then I would have had to I would have had to actually, you know, buy an account to ever see them again. So That's I what I did. At City of Heroes, I probably spent about 20% of the time I was playing that game actually playing the game. Oh, cool. The rest of the time I was just making new characters. Cool. What about this yeah. Marvel versus Capcom? I'm excited about Marvel versus Capcom. Um the Marvel versus like the Marvel versus Capcom and kind of the Marvel versus line has always been really good and kind of and, and pretty innovative as far as um, fighting games go. And what was you that know, one that you brought over not too long Tatsunoko ago? Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Oh, okay, all right. So that one's a little bit more obscure, but you know people are bound to know a lot more. Like that one, I think didn't sell so well because people weren't so familiar in the in the states with Tatsunoko's properties. Right. Um, you know, even the ones that did make it to the United States, mm-hmm. like uh, Battle for the Battle of the Planets. You know, right. people are still not all that familiar with them. But this is going to be Marvel. And the other thing is that I think that Modok has been confirmed as a playable character. Oh yeah. That'd so you can actually cool. fight as Modok. You oh, can you can cool. make your your nice. Um, Blanca Modoc team, I think, <laughs> would be my my optimal combo there. Oh, hey there, Matthew. Welcome back to the show. Hello. The internet sucks. I know. Tonight is a special. You know what it is? It's patch day for World of Warcraft. Oh. And everybody is all over that stuff today. Because this is the last patch oh. before... Cataclysm. Before Cataclysm. Dragon. I really wish they would have released that game, uh, like, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Because... Then I'd have something to do over Thanksgiving besides yeah. sit at my in-laws' house. So, anyway, let's do some reviews. Yay! Review. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the internet does suck tonight, but we do have some comics that may or may not suck mm-hmm. that we shall talk about. Let's get to uh, some titles from a few weeks ago or this past week, depending on when you're listening. Hello. Future people, Batman seven hundred four from Steven? Tony Daniel, <laughs> art and cover by Tony Daniel. Now check this out. I'm going to read this solicitation. Bruce you Wayne mean may have returned. He can draw, write, and play C three PO. Apparently, but when an aging but wealthy technology developer comes to Gotham with his beautiful daughter, it turns out he's in a search, uh, in search of a joint project with Wayne Tech DNA tracking. And the name is the name of the game. And there are others interested in his proposal. But when the developer goes missing, Batman finds that his tracks stop in the city's violent Chinatown neighborhood where the all-new deadly triad gang has taken root. Guest starring I Ching. All right, let me tell you. Not a single thing that I just told you appears in this book. I Ching does not appear in this book. Uh, now, Bruce Wayne does appear in this book. Uh, there is some mysterious somebody, a cloaked figure looking for something... And there seems to be some kind of a cult or Where cabal. are my contacts? Well, that's kind of what it is. They're in the bathroom next to the sink. Um, some kind of cabal that's this mysterious thing going on. Cabal wins. Uh, but that is about... That's it as far as the, the, the tie to the solicitation and what actually occurred in this book. Why Here would we, they do that? I don't know if they're like, trying to throw... Why do they do that I'm, in the solicitation? I'm because the solicitation had to go out so far uh, in advance if they didn't change the story at the last like moment. Like Tony Daniel doing everything mm. that uh, he couldn't get away... You know, that he could get away with it. 
It's interesting that this issue starts off with uh, Damien and Dick in the role of Batman and Robin uh, trying to take down this character called the Reaper. And uh, it also appears uh, a new character. What's that? Are they afraid it's of him? It's a zombie kind of monster, scary yeah. guy that's killing people. Uh, also, we oh, get the appearance. Him. Check this out, Matthew. Also, the appearance of Katrina Falcone of the Falcone crime family as Catgirl. Wait, what? Now, this has got to be the first appearance of Catgirl because I could not find any other reference of her before. Uh, the three of them fight Reaper. Dick is like, hey, cat girl, you can't be involved in this. This is a dangerous game. It's not like we haven't heard that before with uh, Stephanie Brown. Bruce Wayne shows up on the scene, says, hey, we got to have a talk. And basically he says, hey, Dick, you got to talk to uh, Catwoman. Get this little brat off the street. We don't need her mucking things up. I'm going to go do stuff. I got to go to I got to go to Tokyo, which is interesting because this then becomes that tie to the Batman Inc. story, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Instead of some old, mysterious stranger trying to partner with Wayne Tech, it is a young uh, woman who comes to Dick and says, Hey, Wayne Tech uh, or Wayne Industries, please let us buy these eight blocks in Suicide, or not in Suicide Slums, in um, Crime Alley. Crime Alley. So that we can renovate it and make it better. And Dick's like, eh, man, man, man. Well, we're willing to pay Wayne, more than it's what. Wayne Enterprises owns th- those blocks? Apparently, Batman owns half the city. Or Wayne Industries owns half the city, but he does own like eight blocks in Crime Crime Alley. That that is weird to me. That there was Batman's all like, I want to eradicate crime, but he owns right. eight blocks of Crime right. Alley, and so he could of, do something. And that's kind of the argument that this uh, the Asian uh, woman makes here is like, you guys aren't doing anything with it, and we can come in and we can renovate it, and we can make it, we can provide jobs, we can clean it up, we can get rid of the scourge. But I think that kind of plays into the Batman Bruce Wayne psychosis of this is where my parents died. I've mm. got to keep everything here so I can remember. In fact, there was a um, I think it was a Red Robin issue a few issues ago where Tim is actually the owner of the theater that Bruce went to when his the night his parents died mm. to see Zorro, which is weird, too. Um, Selena's at a uh, party. Dick shows up and says, hey, uh, get rid of the girl. Um, there's some a little chase scene between uh, Dick and this mysterious uh, Asian woman that came to visit him. They're up on the rooftops, and someone fires an arrow at them, and she spins around and catches it. And again, that's about all the similarities where this, uh, you know, there's no similarities between this and the solicitation. They wind up on the w- rooftop, sh- finds out that she is a hero called, or someone called, the Peacock. Terrible name, terrible costume. And someone is trying to kill them and kidnap her little boy. And that is it. Tell me how any of that plays into what I just read you, and it doesn't. It's very strange. It throws you off. And there's actually a second. uh, There's another book that came out this week or came out last week that had the same thing. I went in and looked at the solicitation. I think it was the Batman The Return. Same way. Went to look at the solicitation. Didn't line up at all with what was going on in the story. So I don't know if somebody's messing around with us or what. But, you know, the solicitations are kind of important when it comes to deciding if you're going to make a purchase or not. And if you bought something on the faith of a solicitation that, as it was written and you didn't get that, mm-hmm. you have grounds for, you know, returning your product and saying, hey, this isn't what I paid for. This isn't what, what I thought I was getting. Yeah. And costing a store owner. Yeah, the half a dozen money. each Ching fans are going to be highly irked. Well, yes, but uh, it is, it is uh, rather odd. Now, the art by Tony Daniel, I think, is fantastic. 
Lots of great lines. Lots of color in this piece. Um, lots of skinny people. Lots of skinny looking people. vaguely like they were drawn by Scott Campbell <laughs> or Mike Turner. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm giving this issue um, three and a half out of five five slices of meatloaf. I, it's good. It's worth picking up. It you know it's a Batman story without really being tied into everything that's going on with Batman Inc. It's mm-hmm. tangentially tied into it, but uh, it's a good kind of Batman story without being a continuity. Well, I'm sure it is in continuity, but without it being tied into the major so the event. events. Yeah. So Batman 704, Tony Daniel, art by Tony <laughs> Daniel. Uh, Matthew, let's jump to you. I think this also came out last week. Legion of Superheroes number seven. Legion of Superheroes, Volume 6, Number 7, or as I call it, Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, Number 75. Uh, Paul Levitz basically has picked this series up where he left it 20-odd years ago, which wouldn't be problematic if it weren't for the fact that there were 20 years in between. So, in previous issues, I have gone into unbelievable rages (laughs) <laughs> at the fact that Matter Eater Lad quit off panel, that Bouncing Boy is being sidetracked, that Monel is nowhere to be found, that Shadow Lass is sleeping with Earthman. Earthman is being do- is is being given a face turn. Is he going to be because you know being being the psychotic sociopath jackass who hates everyone and everything really qualifies you to be a superhero. So I pick up Legion number seven and I'm thinking, okay, okay. Now we got a game. Let's do something here. The first six-issue arc, which is supposed to establish things, are out of the way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. And we open with Tyrock, Ultra Boy, Timberwolf, and Cosmic Boy on a murder scene. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were going to investigate a murder, I would not take Tyrock, Timberwolf, and <laughs> Ultra Boy. Because... These are not your detectives. You go to a murder scene, you want Shrinking Violet, Chameleon Boy, Saturn Girl. What you basically got here are two brutes and a guy who goes, oy, 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 oy. So, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be terrible. It's actually cool. This team of four walks in. They find out that a man has been murdered. They figure out who murdered him. That's part of the plot. Right. Tyrock actually shows some new edge to his powers. And when the fight eventually breaks out at the murder scene, as it does, you have a team consisting of Tyrock, Ultra Boy, and Timberwolf, which, by the way, if you want to fight a bunch of crazy alien mofos, there's a team that you want by your side. So Cosmic Boy can obviously see the future. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of falderall about a new Legion election. There's going to be, the fans are going to get to choose a new leader. Which, if they choose Earthman, I don't want to say I'm done. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm probably pretty close to done. Um, and there is a beautiful sequence. Monel finally returns to find that his ex-girlfriend slash wife, I don't know if she ever married him because the continuity is unclear, is sleeping with Earthman. And Earthman comes up and gets in Monel's face and he's like, I got your powers now. Monel grabs him by the head, drags him out of an airlock, throws him into space, flies back down and goes, yeah, you got my powers, but I've got a thousand years of thinking about how to use them. <laughs> and I went, yay, Monel! 
Somebody finally got one over on Earthman and his sideburns, which is nice. There's some fighty-fighty with the fighty-fighty team. And also very impressive to me, Tyrock, the first black legionnaire in history, is being played as a badass. Mm -hmm. Tyrock figures out the murder sequence. Tyrock is the turning point in a battle involving Ultra Boy and Timberwolf. You know, they are finally, you know, getting past the fact that his costume looked like, I don't know, Peter Pan, the Vegas years, giving him a decent suit and actually treating him as treating him as a strong legionnaire, which I appreciate. Right. Now bring back Matter Eater like sons of bitches. Anyway, um, <laughs> the second story has completely different art and is a story of Brainiac 5. Do you guys remember when we reviewed issue one with the Super Future Friends? Yes. Mm -hmm. where this is issue Brainiac seven. Was being so it was a like big some... dick. Yes, they they reference the fact that Brainiac has been in a foul mood. And right. the weird girl who was like, look at me, I'm obviously important to the plot. That girl mm -hmm. and Adriana mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what her deal was. Right. We get to find out what her deal is. She may be an immortal. What? She's much older than she looks. And she's an old friend of R.J. Brand. Huh. How about that? How about that? Now, based on that, I'm willing to give this book another chance because she was very Mary Suey up to this. Uh huh. And the fact that the Mary Sueyness makes sense works for me. The fact that they're, you know, willing to give Legionnaires who aren't the standard issue Legionnaires a chance in Tyrock, in Polar Boy, in Dream Girl, I'm digging that. The art, uh, Yildare Sinar is a favorite of mine from when he used to do Dynamo 5 for Image. So I love Yildare Sinar's art, even though his name sounds like an anagram for something. And overall, this is, this is better. I'm, last issue, they actually had me starting to buy into an Earthman face turn. Right. Which would be difficult because I, my problem is I remember Earthman when he was Absorbency Boy in a one-off story 25 years ago. So I can't really go, oh, Earthman would make a great superhero, especially since they made a big point when Jeff Johns was writing action comics of saying the reason he didn't get in the Legion is that he has deep-seated emotional problems. <laughs> and, you know, Shadow Lass is sleeping with him now, which I think is supposed to make us like him. But all it really does is make me think, wow, Shadowless has poor taste in men. <laughs> so overall, a better issue of Legion than we've seen in a couple of months. I believe I said two or two and a half stars for six. Mm -hmm. I will up that. The return of Monil combined with the Tyrock, you know, badassery. I'm willing to go three slices of meatloaf. Okay. Simply because it seems like the book is going somewhere. If it hadn't jumped about and, you know, if it hadn't been so blatant in its, I'm just going to ignore this bit of recent Legion history. Right. I'd probably be happier with it. But, you know, they, there is nothing inherently bad about Matter Eater Lad. And you can write some damn fine stories with Matter Eater Lad in them. There's no reason to sidetrack him like that just because you don't want to have him in the team. And that's my rant on that. Three out of five slices of meatloaf. Everybody take calls. All right. So we have been, right. Matthew, we've been getting a lot of flack. Somebody gave us a little bit of guff the other day saying, all you guys' reviews is DC Comics. That's all you guys. You guys are so biased to DC Comics. I hate that. And to that, I would say head over to the MajorSpoilers.com website where we have plenty of reviews from all the companies. 
Is it just the yeah. same person that keeps? I don't doing know. That? If it is, they're changing their IP address and their uh, and their Handle. username all the time. But it's just like uh, you know, part of the whole major spoilers experience is listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. going to the site, participating in the forums, and if you do that, yeah. man, we are reviewing stuff. All across the board. Yep. In fact, we're reviewing stuff yeah. even before it hits the stands. This past week, we had uh, Vampirilla number one, the new, uh, the mm-hmm. new of that that came out on the weekend. We had uh, the Traveler number one, the new Stan Lee Mark mm-hmm. Wade joint from Boom Studios came out. We'll have uh, Lock and Key up tomorrow, I believe, which is the day it comes out in the bookstores. Mm-hmm. And we we've got the Rodrigo boys Dynamite. Yes, the boys from Dynamite was also new, and we've got Rodrigo reviewing Marine Man number one that doesn't come out until December 1st. That's from Image Comics, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and w- of course, that might be confusing I, to some people because he looks just like Aquaman, right? Yeah. Um, although, and now I'm thinking, I, I don't know when the... I, I guess I did review a Marvel. I reviewed the Hulks. But yes. I was like, I don't think I've even reviewed she a Hulks. Marvel or, like, and I certainly haven't reviewed a DC comic in forever right, 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 on right. the show. Right. So I don't think this person's listening to the podcast. And don't forget, a little bit later on, we've got uh, Annihilation Book One. Correct. So I don't think they're looking at the podcast or the thing. I think they're just like, because I'm looking at the reviews that we've done. And there's one DC in the last uh, 15 reviews. There you go. But that's okay, the website. He may DCs, just be listening yeah. to the podcast in which we reviewed two DC books in a row. So, Rodrigo, please At save us. Point, keep downloading to see if we keep. Yeah. <laughs> if you download three copies and one for all of your friends, we'll consider covering Marvel Comics. Yep. <laughs> all right. So, Marine Man number one by Image Comics. Yes. So this starts out with a um, a TV show talking about, or a radio show, who knows, um, because all you see is like the little word balloons, and it has a very wordy first page. I mean, it's just text, basically. Uh. But, yeah, and then, you know, sometimes I can give that a pass because it's the first issue. But um, it's talking about this guy who is going to do the um, static apnea, free diving. Oh, yeah. Um, hold your breath. Deep, yep. Deep hold deep your dive. breath. Go as, as deep down as you humanly can. You know, there are no rules as to how you get to the bottom and how you get back to the top as long as, you know, certain things, certain conditions are met. Um, and you have to hold your breath. So... This guy goes down, and then there's a flash, and he mysteriously dies. Um, and then, and, and when Rodrigo says the flash, he's not talking about no. There is the flash because right, we don't want right. anybody. To it's think not a DC review. About is DC no. comics, here. right? Right. There is a flash. There's a there's a flash <laughs> of light or a Gordon style flash, um, uh. or or a. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> so we cut to um, a presentation at an aquarium in which Steve, quote, Mer- uh, you know, this nickname, Marine Man Ocean, because his last name is Ocean, which is actually makes it confusing when, you know, <laughs> you put all three names together. Right. right. Um, is giving a presentation and talking about like, oh yeah, we took this picture, which is the picture kind of the the picture on the cover where he's like swimming with some fish. Um, oh, we took this picture and with some mackerel or some fish or whatever. Uh, no, but he doesn't say that. I just don't remember what kind of fish it is. 
Um, and you start going through his life, and he's a marine biologist, and he's a TV star, you know, as a marine biologist. he Everybody loves him. He signs DVDs. Girls hit on him. He has a um, potty-mouthed friend who is his good friend. He has a um, female friend as well, so you can tell that he is, uh, you know, nice to girls. But, you know, doesn't have... He's not pulling on their pigtails or anything. Right, right. Or, you know, yep. Not doing any of that stuff. Um, And then you find out that he knows about the secret installation under his... Under the... uh, The... um, The facility that he works at. um, That is owned by the Navy. And his dad is doing some work there and there's this brand new project that's about to start the end that's it yes this was a full issue that they said this right? was a it full was like 32 pages yes or something. and the you know the the intro to it is you know it says like chapter one introducing marine man and that's all it does it's like here's this guy Kadot dot dot so is this the same one that was doing the deep sea breathing no, this is a different guy. Different guy, okay. Um, also, I thought it was weird, just um, when they're talking about it, it's two guys talking about it, basically the play-by-play guy and the color guy. Yeah. Um, one of them's named Brad Stone, which is not a big deal, but the other one's called Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson. And it's spelled G-E-O-F-F. Uh-huh. A lot of people spell it that way these days. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if that was like a Jeff Johns like, thing, I or, or I don't know. It just seemed weird. So I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. Um, you know, I understand he's just a guy. He doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't have anything going on. There is a um, kind of a, a a column at the end by the guy who wrote this book. Ian Churchill. Uh, yeah. And he's talking about how when he first got into superheroes, he created Marine Man. Uh-huh. Um, and he's talking about it and, like, his influence and stuff. You know, doesn't mention Aquaman at first. Then eventually says, you know, my dad was always very encouraging about it, but he always told me this guy already exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so it talks about him going back and rethinking the character into his current, en- into what it is now. So, I don't know. Just from this, this gives you very little. Like, despite the fact that they spend a lot of time talking about this guy. Uh-huh. It's like talking to a character witness. Yes, this guy is not going to rob a liquor store, but that's how we know about him. <laughs> like, now, do you think that the covers are, are throwing you, making you think it's a superhero book, but maybe it's like a, well, and, a thriller of some kind? And that in and of itself doesn't matter. I think that, yeah, that's partially what they're doing, and that's fine. That that turn doesn't bother me. Okay, The fact that this is like, aha, psych, it's not a superhero book doesn't bother me the fact is like it's like a high psych this is not an interesting book oh, is okay. what bothers me because they could have done what they did here in three pages and then told us what the heck is actually happening right you know is this like and i'm i guess i'm hoping that you know it's like oh this guy's going to turn out to be kind of an international man of mystery mm-hmm. who dresses up like a superhero. He's like a modern day very aquatic based doc savage kind of thing or i've significantly older johnny quest you know that sort of thing and 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 i would be perfectly okay with that but we don't see it and probably the worst part about it is the the turn quote unquote at the end 
where they're talking about this experiment or this mission that you know nothing about. They're not like to find secret life under the ocean or because we've received transmissions of secret cultures under. No, you don't. You get nothing about it. And it's like, oh, the Navy has sent this person who is very good at, at, at doing things to man this mission. And it comes out and it is an attractive lady. And she's like, oh, I am a girl. Were you expecting a guy? And it's like, seriously, it's 2010. Yeah. Like the big... Ta-da! You'll see what happens next is that it's a girl who's in charge. Yeah. I mean, come on. There are girls in charge all over the place, especially in fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to get letters about that one. Uh, You know, my boss is a girl. Yeah? Well, so is mine. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I could say something about my boss, but I'm sure Uh, we'll get the next movie. (laughs) Well, um, seeing as how we both technically work for you... Um. Oh, Matthew. In wah, any wah, case, wah. the art is fantastic. It's really cool. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. The color is great. It's a very bright, shiny book. And judging from what the author wrote about it, that's what he wants the book to be. He wants it to be bright. He wants it to be positive. He wants all these good things to come out of it. Right. However, it manages to be completely uninteresting. Um, this should be the first half of a of an issue. It shouldn't be a full issue. Should it be a zero issue? It really should. Um, I'm going to give this... Uh, we'll go with two slices of meatloaf. And that's mostly on the art. You know, again, it's like... This, everything that we see here could have been a, a block of text or something. Like an offhand comment than his friend. His funny, dark-haired friend. Who is not nearly as funny as Barry Weems' funny, dark-haired friend. Right. Um review up on the side if you have or retro review up on the side if you haven't seen it um you know like it's something that he could have said is like oh by the way this guy wouldn't hurt a fly he's super great all the girls love him right now let's move on to what this submarine does Uh uh-huh so i don't know i was just you know it's like you keep i kept turning every page to see what, Man. what was going on what was going to happen and nothing happened casp an undersea nuclear explosion not even that. Oh. All right. I'm a little disappointed now, Rodrigo. You are? Yeah, and I haven't read it. Well, I'm hoping, you know, I'd be willing to read the second issue to see the second half of this issue, basically. Yeah. But if it's just more You'd only like... be willing to read it because it looks like a DC Comics character. <laughs> I, I think there's a... And, and there's a legitimate thing there. Um, you know... I don't know. I think that the author is deliberate, obviously deliberately doing that because he is not Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they told him, dude, this guy's Aquaman, he's like, all right, well, then he will look exactly like Aquaman and be nothing like Aquaman. <laughs> I, I kind of get that vibe from this, which if he takes it someplace interesting, it might be might be something to look at. But I don't know. I just I just read a really long zero issue. So is this more what was that uh, comic strip, Matthew, that was the. Um, the wilderness guy. What was that? Uh, I think Mark it's still Trail? Mark Trail. Is that what this is kind of like? If you are you familiar with? Yeah, Mark Trail? I am familiar with Mark Trail. No, well, actually, yeah, kind of because they spend like three pages with him, and and partially it's a oh look, this guy knows how to handle a shark, but he does that thing where like you hypnotize a shark by rubbing its shark nose. 
Is that how you do it? Yeah. I'll be sure to do that the next time the so, Great White is bearing down upon me. Supposedly, yeah, like last Tuesday. Yes, yes. in your <laughs> landlocked state, <laughs> in the midst of a desert. Suppose you know, they talk about punching a shark in the nose and stuff like that. Sharks have the, these glands that can sense electromagnetic yeah. waves. So if you stimulate them, it like short. It basically shorts out the shark's brain. <laughs> okay. Um, so why do you know these things? Because Rodrigo's a dinosaur fan, and the sharks have been around since the age of the dinosaurs. That's Today, right. Rodrigo is wearing a dinosaur T-shirt. I am wearing a T-Rex from Dinosaur Comics shirt. It's like, who do you wear? And I'm like, uh, sometimes <laughs> I wear a Rich Burlew. Sometimes I wear a uh, Kirby Kirby X Men. Um. But yeah, there's there's a so there's a lot of that, and at the end, it it kind of um, the ads are very marine biology based. Like, hey, mm-hmm. check out this cool video, or here's a little thingy on the ocean knots, and you know, here's a here's a person who does this for a living. So I think the author is definitely trying to be like, comics aren't positive anymore. Here's positive yeah. comic stuff. Here's how kids that, can though. learn about nature. Nothing wrong with and that. And you can get your marine biology degree in as little as four weeks. That's right. From <laughs> the University of Phoenix. <laughs> All right, Rodrigo. Ah! Thank you for that. Sorry it wasn't as awesome as uh, maybe we thought it might be. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Maybe it'll pick up later on. Hopefully. And as Rodrigo mentioned, as I mentioned, as Matthew has mentioned, head over to Majorspoilers.com. We've got a crap ton of reviews over there just for you. Oh, and this week being Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's time for the annual Asterix uh, review. I'm excited. So am I. I, I hear e- you're going to review it in the original Flemish. Yes, in the original Flemish. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I think the one that I told you guys that I was going to review, I don't know if that's the one I'm going to review, but it is one of the early ones. Oh, swerve. The yes. solicitations were wrong. <laughs> the solicitations were wrong. <laughs> Dude, I'm also gonna... <laughs> you're probably going to review that DC version of Asterix. Yes, exactly. Last year I did. The one Asterix where he teams up with Uncle Sam and Damian Wayne. All right, let's get on to the POW, the major spoilers poll of the week. It's time. Sorry, I just had to do that. It's become tradition at this point. Yes, it has. It's time for Steven. To stand among you and say, I will ask the questions that annoy everyone. <laughs> For I am Stephen, and this is how I talk. <laughs> what happens yes, exactly when blondes fight it out? If Sarah Michelle Geller were to wrestle Chrissy Swanson, who would win? We that would. would be you and I, the viewing <laughs> public. But, <laughs> ladles and jelly spoons, faithful spoilerites, big, small, or possibly Xander. It's time. Well, the major spoilers, Buffy, girl-on-girl poll of the week, 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 So the big news is that Warner Brothers has teamed up with Atlas Pictures, I believe is who they are, to do a... New Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. New Buffy. New Buffy. In fact, it's going to be so new they've not even included Joss Whedon mm-hmm. in the uh, in the well, discussions or the script or any of that stuff. It's actually the well, script Joss will be Whedon written. Doesn't have anything to do with the movie rights. That's why. Right. He originally wrote the script and then sold that. Mm-hmm. Later, got back the rights to right. do the TV series. Was involved heavily in that. Involved mightily, I guess, in the uh, comic book from Dark Horse. Well, but, he he right. wrote a, a little bit of it, did he? The Dark Horse? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's the guide kind of as that right. kind of as an executive he's writing producer. It now, actually. Yeah. Um 
But a lot of people are up in arms about. Oh yeah! How dare they do this to Buffy? People with no are pissed Joss. about this. I just can't believe. I mean, I I thought that I was fanatical about certain things, but uh-huh. my goodness, mention Buffy without Joss, and people are just like insane. Yeah. But it got me thinking. I remember when Buffy the Vampire Slayer first came out. I saw it in the movies. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Can to borrow a phrase from Matthew. Originally, it originally came out, and I thought Christy Swanson at that time was like hot, really hot. She's still kind of hot today. Um, and she played this, you know, kind of ditzy blonde that discovered she has these powers to kill vampire slayers, and she had a, a watcher. To kill vampires. To kill vampires and vampire slayers, probably. Uh, it's got uh, uh, 90210's Matt uh, Dillon, is that what his name is? Uh, probably. Um, had Pee Wee Herman in it as a yeah. very funny vampire. And I liked that movie when it came out. I thought it was I good, it too. silly, silly, can't be fun. And then whenever it, uh, then when I was living in Atlanta, CW was one of the biggest uh, channels, or the WB, WB I'm back sorry. then. Yeah, WB back then was one of the back biggest channels. Back before it regenerated into the CW. Hello, my honey. Hello, my sweetie. Oh. Um, right I'm outside my building. Frog. <laughs> right outside my building, they had a huge WB <laughs> billboard advertising <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. And I was like, wait a minute, is Christy Swanson going to be in this? got Sarah Michelle, and I started looking. Sarah Michelle Geller, you mean that girl from, what, Days of Our Lives or One Life to Live or whatever soap opera she was on? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really intrigued whenever I saw those signs. But then a week later, they put up Chris McCarpenter's face on the, mm-hmm. on the billboard, too. And instantly, I'm interested. Right. And I watched that from the very first episode all the way to the very last episode, even when I moved back to Kansas. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a CW channel right. on our cable channel. I had to acquire it mm-hmm. by other means. Love that show. Loved everything. I've loved the comic book. Everything Buffy I like. To me, does it matter if Joss Whedon is involved? Probably not. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Rodrigo? Do you care? No. No, I, I kind of don't. And, and, you know, people are going to be like, well, you don't like Joss Whedon. It's not even that I don't like Joss Whedon. I think that Oh, that's right. You don't like Joss Whedon. I, I actually hate Joss Whedon. <laughs> it's not that I don't like him. It's that I hate, hate him. Hate him with a passion. Hate him with a passion. No, that's not it at all. Um, <laughs> You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a property. And it's a property that's, you know, that has potential to be reinvented, to be recreated. Mm-hmm. People have made good points to say, like, people are, you know, we're there's still a comic out that continues the storyline right. of Buffy. Why would you reboot it now? Why would you just, you know, piss off the fans like that? And, you know, that's, that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's... At this point, it hasn't been long enough po- probably for this, but if they're going along with it, I, I guess my thought is... There have been lots of great Spider-Man stories, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and most of them were not written by Stan Lee. What? Bite your tongue. Some man. of them were. Were they written by Mark Wade then? Some of them. Okay, then. That's okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, Many of them but, were written by that one guy that you won't Well, you know, they had that Hulk exactly. movie that came out a few years ago, and then they, a few years later, they rebooted the Hulk movie. And people were like, this one's better! <laughs> Matthew? You know, Star Trek the, with Star Trek, they they did something that they possibly only with Star Trek could have done. Right, right. To be like, no, 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 no. Look, this is also the old Star right, Trek, right, y'all. Right. right. Well, the thing is, we don't know what they're gonna do. They've, exactly. They've got a script from this actress girl, right? Whit Anderson, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, never written anything before. I think she was an extra in a, in the Yes Men. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Matthew, what do you think of all this news before we get into the actual poll? As I often do, I find myself being reminded of the words of a great philosopher now years gone. I think of George Carlin when he said, How the hell can we be nostalgic for a concept like a little while ago? <laughs> Buffy went off the air in 2003. That's yeah, less like than that. seven years. Even in pop culture terms, that's like a, a, that's a, that's a moth fart, okay? It's not as though this is a long dead thing that needs to be re reworked with, you know, Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. It's not as though Buffy is something that's had a chance to rest to where, oh, sure, we'll be happy to look at a new version of it. And Joss Whedon fans, and this is why Rodrigo hates us, tend to be snarky and, and very ridiculously loyal. I have a friend, and she shall remain nameless, called Sarah, who watches shows specifically because they feature people who used to be on Buffy. Oh, really? So she and she denies this. She, watches, she denies uh, this, yes. And when Nicholas like Brendan Bones, was on though. Criminal Minds, she was terribly, mm -hmm. terribly excited. And it's, you know, it's something where the fans of Buffy are a superstitious and scary lot. And I say this as a long-term comic fan, okay? I uh, And uh, trust me, uh, we can smell our own. We love you, Buffy fans. You are our bread and butter. But you got to admit, you are very, very, very persnickety about your character, and rightfully so. But to go in and say, okay, well, the movie rights for this are up, that would be, I mean, it's the equivalent of 20th Century Fox and, and the fight with, oh, well, you can't make a Batman movie because, or you can't do this because we want the rights to this show and we want to do that and we want to do this, you know. When Watchmen was trying to come out and they were refusing to allow somebody to use their Watchmen option to make the Watchmen movie that ended up being made, mm -hmm. it's kind of a dick move. Yeah. And to say, oh, well, I own the movie rights to Buffy based on the movie and I'm going to remake this movie, you know, Luke Perry fans rejoice. Yay, Luke Perry. And that's who it that's is. Pee Wee Herman fans here. rejoice. Yeah, but <laughs> that would it's, be actually I mean, funny. Yay! <laughs> you said the secret word. Yay! Oh, boy. And, there and are people who say that. What happened with uh, Cowboy, uh, Cowboy, what's his name? Cowboy Bob? Uh, maybe oh, he'll make an appearance. Yeah. Phil yeah, Lamar's pretty great. Cowboy Curtis. Yeah, there you go. Cowboy It's Bob. not Phil Lamar. Anyway, <laughs> I, I hate you both. <laughs> I'm going to kill you all. Anyway. <laughs> My thing well, is that it's it's not it's not that it's wrong, it's not that it's bad, it's just it's it's too soon, it's derivative, and it's kind of a dick move. I will I will say a couple of things here, uh, before we get into the actual poll. Uh, first of all, Atlas Entertainment is run by Charles Roven. And while a lot of people aren't familiar with that name, he is the producer of the last three Batman films, the new Batman Rises, uh, The Dark Knight, and Batman Begins. He's mm -hmm. the producer of those films. So that has to have a little That's a pedigree, at least. It. Yes. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series made $2.3 million per episode. That's mm -hmm. what's estimated right. in sales, in advertising sales. $2.3 million per episode. Wow. Very That's nice. a lot. If Buffy fans are so hardcore, and that show was so popular, it doesn't translate into comic book sales. That comic used to routinely be in the top 10, and now half the time barely gets into the top 20. Mm -hmm. Still popular, well, but to be, if everybody's such to a be big fan. Honest, Brad Meltzer's arc on that book sucked. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
I think people started dropping it because Brad Meltzer's arc on that book sucked. Okay. So, Matthew, let's throw him into the ring. Christy Swanson, Sarah Michelle Gellar, which Buffy comes out on top? Buffy. (laughs) The real Buffy. Which is? Sarah Michelle Gellar for me, simply because it's, you know, it's like comparing angry apples and sexy oranges. You know, they're not the same creature. To, to say who's better, Sarah Michelle Gellar or Christy Swanson, that's like saying who's a better Scotty, James Doohan or the guy who did the voice of him on Futurama. It, it, it's still Scotty, in theory, but Actually, James it was Welshy in Futurama. <laughs> oh, well, la-dee-freaking-da, you know? I say Sarah Michelle Gellar simply because I feel like Sarah Michelle Gellar in that role probably achieved the closest thing to to uh, that actress inhabiting a role really, really well. And the writing didn't help, didn't hurt and the directing didn't hurt and the supporting cast didn't hurt. So yeah, I'm not all, I'm not all that big a fan of the movie. I'm a relatively big fan of four of the seven seasons of the TV show. All right, Rodrigo over to you. Um, although I do like the fact that, um, movie Buffy gets cramps when vampires are around. Right. And there was some uh, of that in the TV series. Then the TV they series, they'll make it quite a bit. They made it a lot more about her ha- basically having vampire sense right. rather than having right. girl problems. Um, in season one, I think they made some veiled references to it, but I think the network wouldn't let them do cramps. Yeah. I, I think I think what it was is that, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly, but anyway, I do like that. Is one thing that I always really liked that because you know that's that's how you get a that's a compelling superhero is someone who it is inconvenient for them to be a superhero, right? Um, <laughs> and you know, not that not that Sarah Michelle Buffy didn't have it, but or or had a little bit of that going on. I do one. I I am gonna go with Sarah Michelle Gellar just because of the amount of text that we have on yeah. that version yeah. of Buffy. It is very difficult. It is incredibly easy to pick one Sarah Michelle Gellar Buffy moment that I hated, mm-hmm. but it is very difficult to throw out her entire performance, right? Because there were some great moments. Mm-hmm. Because she is that teenager who's a little bit smarter. You know, than the average, and a little bit more clever, and a little bit cuter, but not all that great. And then has all this responsibility dropped mm-hmm. on her, and has to rise to the challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, she does that very well, and you know that's it, it. Like like Matthew said, and it's a whole lot less seasons for me. But there were moments of her performance that were very compelling. Yeah, yeah. Like when she sang. Yeah, that was a great episode. Love that. Uh, I'll go with along with you guys. Sarah Michelle Buffy is is my favorite too. That's who I would have picked mm-hmm. to emerge in a fight. A lot of good episodes, yeah. and, and quite frankly, Sarah Michelle looked way better about three seasons into that show. Yeah, than she did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. They had to. They had to get get the look right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when when did Buffy the Vampire Slayer pre, pre, like like uh, uh, had to have been like 95, 90, 96, 97, something 95, like that. 96, I think. I think they were on from ninety six to 03. I mean. You know, you look at the Buffy wiki. the you look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you can tell that a show was successful not just because it ran forever, mm-hmm. but also because they're still making that show. You know, Supernatural, um, yeah. to a certain degree, Smallville. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, to, you a, can argue, to a much larger degree, I think. Yeah, you can you can argue that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is secretly Scooby Doo, but not really. Um, 
you know, there there is a a formula to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they're still milking that formula. Cool. He said milking right. formula. Three yep. three hundred seven votes in at Majorspoilers.com, a whopping eighty one percent favoring Sarah Michelle Buffy over Christy Swanson. I think Christy Swanson really worked best for me in that movie where the kid from uh, Little House on the Prairie made the killer robot that killed her, and then she was, like, possessed by the killer robot and stuff. That was kind of cool. But uh, only 19%, or approximately 60-odd people, choosing Christy Swanson over Sarah Michelle Geller. I think, for me, what it comes down to is I honestly don't care about a Buffy revamp, even if it was a revamp up with Joss. Because it's too soon. It's been six and a half years. I, I don't feel the need to go back and and you know retread this territory anytime soon. I think I think it's interesting. I think Matthew and I may have the same opinion for different reasons. He's not interested. It's too soon, right? He's not interested in this revamp, even if Joss Whedon was involved. I'm not interested in this revamp, despite the fact that Joss Whedon's not involved. <laughs> I I just don't really care because I won't get to see a movie. F- get to go to the movie theater for at least another 10 years yeah so it doesn't matter i'll have to wait till it comes out on video <laughs> hey buffy the vampire but day slayer. and date release is coming up y'all yeah buffy the vampire slayer uh, ran from 97 to 2003 stick around you guys are getting a supersized thanksgiving edition of the major spoilers podcast we'll be back in just a moment to talk about annihilation Good afternoon, spoilers. So, I'm going to give you a 61-second review of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, which I saw yesterday, and we're going to call it Harry Potter 7A from now onwards. So here we go, Harry Potter 7A in 61 seconds, starting from now. I cannot explain the plot to you without giving you loads of spoilers about the previous one. If you are interested in seeing Harry Potter 7A, go back and watch all of the previous six Harry Potter films, or you will not understand what's going on. Okay, so let's start with the good stuff. It's very well acted. It has the budget of the gross GDP of a small South American country and is genuinely really creepy and really dark. It's definitely not a film for under 12s. I think it has some moments of humour. The performances are amazing, but it feels like filler and it drags its heels like a fat kid on the way to gym class. That's a problem. I talked to a lot of hardcore Harry Potter fans who said they loved it, but it just needed to finish. They wanted it three hours and done. There's nothing too wrong with it. It's not the best one. I still think The Sixth is the best film. But it's fine. It just feels like filler and padded. So I'm going to give it a very strong three and a half slices of meatloaf. Other than that, it's a very good film. And a lot of guys I've you know talked to have really liked it. And I hope that hardcore fans of the franchise and new fans of the franchise will love this film. Well, as always... Get on the Twitter, at the Dexter 102 on the forums as well. Fantastic discussions going on there. Thank you very much, guys. Peace and love. Hello, Major Spoilers crew. This is uh, the Super Albino. I tend to not comment a whole lot um, on the show and stuff. I'm rather reserved. But um, I wanted to comment this week on Annihilation Book 1. This is uh, a... This is a very important book for me. The entire series, actually, Annihilation, is what got me into comic books and um, what really got me into comic books. And it's... Um, I'm going to try not to ramble. <laughs> uh, it's its a great series. Um, this first book, however, is a bit disjointed. Um, which we start out with Drax the Destroyer, and it's 
it's a wonderful little uh, thing, but it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the actual overarching story other than Drax being reborn and all that. Uh, it's fun to see his interactions with the human girl and um, him trying to get revenge on the people that killed him and whatnot. But it really it doesn't amount to a whole lot in the overall story. Um, the second half, which is uh, the Nova miniseries for Annihilation, is actually a bit more interesting in that uh, we see Nova having to get um, recover from all of the Green Lanterns dying and whatnot, or <laughs> Green Lanterns, um, from all of the Nova Corps dying and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite interesting to see him kind of toughen up. Um, he's kind of a wimp at the beginning, and Drax turns him into this big, strong, uh, badass superhero we end up seeing later on in the story. And um, all in all, I'd say Annihilation, the first book, um, is a rather average book, but the the following books are interesting enough to keep you coming back, and I'd say overall it's about a, a 3.5. Thank you, everyone, who participates in the show, either by donating to the show, heading over to the site, commenting in the comments section, the forums, listening to all of our other podcasts, sending us emails, whatever. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you'd like to contribute to the Major Spoilers podcast, we certainly would like to hear your your fine voice on our show. All you need to do is call the Major Spoiler hotline. Mate, Matthew, that uh, number is... 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers hotline. So actually this week, uh, Rodrigo is here uh, Hello. to join us in our discussion about a book that he recommends. Unlike the last time, Yay. where he ditched us. That means, yep. I think Nerds. that maybe that you screwed up the <laughs> schedule. No, no. This was a last-minute Rodrigo thing, football, PBS stuff. PBS! You know, people, if you would just donate more money to PBS mm-hmm. and to the Major Spoilers podcast. Or more money to Major Spoilers so <laughs> Rodrigo didn't have to work for PBS. Yeah, there you go. That would keep Rodrigo out of the field. Yep. Uh, this week, we are taking a look at... A big but Marvel nothing event. will keep him out of the bars. A big Marvel event called Annihilation. Dun, dun, dun. And we're only looking at a little bit of this big event. In a fact, I know bit. nothing about this event mm-hmm. until uh, Rodrigo shoved it into my hand and said, Read it! Read it now! Read it! So who is, first of all... If you don't read it, Annihilus wins. <laughs> first of all, what the heck is an Annihilus? Who's going to give us the breakdown of Annihilus? Matthew, our, a nihilist is an old fantastic four. <laughs> you suck, both of you. <laughs> a nihilist is an old school fantastic foe, fantastic four foe uh, from the negative zone. He's basically this big green bug with purple wings who's never really been all that threatening, but supposedly has the cosmic control rod of superness. I think probably a nihilist's big uh, moment came when. Uh, Reed fought his way into the negative zone to try and steal the cosmic control rod mm-hmm. to save the life of uh, their second child that no one talks about, and eventually she passed away. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, do they not talk about it? Yeah, it was, the, was, the, was the big Sue Richards miscarries episode. Oh, okay. So, apparently, Annihilus has broken out of the negative zone, and he's brought all these bug-eating bugs with him. And they're destroying mm-hmm. the universe in seconds. We're destroying entire solar systems in yeah. seconds, which is pretty awesome, I guess. If you say he's not a powerful 
villain, then all of a sudden he's doing this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... And this this whole series, the whole Annihilation series, um, Marvel had had cosmic superheroes kind of scattered, and sometimes they meet up and they fight, and sometimes right. a lot of the time they end up coming back to Earth and doing cool things on Earth because that's where New York is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Annihilation is really kind of them going and getting all of their cosmic stuff and get that all put together into one giant event and a lot of a lot of these characters got um brand new hairdos for this oh okay like annihilus annihilus most of the stuff i'd seen he's some kind of giant robot bug that sometimes his head comes off and there's like a little smaller version of like a smaller body to (laughs) that thing okay but you know this turned Annihilus and the Annihilation Wave into a credible. Did you credible have you threat. read the entire Annihilation series? I read the entire Annihilation series, although there have been there's been more than just Annihilation. Okay, I have one question to ask, and mm-hmm. if if the answer is the way I think it might be, it just ruins the whole experience for me already. Mm-hmm. Does the event eventually come to Earth? Um, Except for the beginning, like in this one, it kind of starts off on Earth where a. Uh, ship of uh, prisoners crashes into Earth, but everybody who survives, we've got a scroll, we've got Drax the Destroyer, mm-hmm. and we've got two uh, twin brothers, the Blood right. Brothers, are all like, we gotta get off Earth, we gotta get off Earth, because if the superheroes show up, we're all gonna be like, oh, in big trouble. Um, if you're, I th- and and it, it has been a while since I read all this, okay. but if you're asking, will it eventually come to Earth and will Thor show up and beat up bug monsters? Yes. No, I don't think so. Okay, good. I mean, if it does, that's not what turns around the war. What okay. turns around the war is what actually is what basically Nova does in space. Okay, all right. Although, I just want to make sure. I think he I, shows up for a the, while, hangs the out with the other. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, the annihilation wave doesn't ever make it to Earth. Yeah. Okay, good. Annihilation and the Annihilation uh, Conquest, which is the prequel or the sequel, both take place entirely in space. Okay, yeah. good. Because that would be my big problem. Is here's this mass wave of destruction ripping through these these areas and if the earth superheroes show up and fight it back in like 10 seconds i'd be really disappointed especially because i've not been i don't know who drax the destroyer is Mm -hmm. is he a big longtime character that goes around destroying things also no no so this is a newish character no isn't he's not new oh okay But again, a lot of these characters have been given very little treatment, even as recurring villains, which is what Drax was, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I've ever seen him. Um, they they are just kind of blips in the in the Marvel radar, okay. and this, you know, I mean, he basically gets a new power set and gets you know mm-hmm. spiffed up and stuff. So as I mentioned, and a cool the, knife. This this. Annihilation Book 1 is broken into two sections. The first one is Drax the Destroyer 1 through 4 or something like that, where, as I said, this prison ship crashes to Earth and Drax, a scroll, and two other guys want to get off the planet. Oh, yeah. They want to get off the, 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 the planet, and so they crash in this small Alaska town and they force the citizens uh, to try to salvage the destroyed ship so they can escape. Meanwhile, Drax is trying to do his own thing and gets killed and gets regenerated into a kinder, gentler Drax, no longer the Destroyer. Although, boy, talk about somebody that gets quotes throughout the book. You're you're Drax, but not the Destroyer Drax in quotes. You know, kind of stuff. Um, You know, that first arc wasn't I think his best line, though, is, no, this is Drax. 
Yes. Because I'm wearing his hat. Yes, yes. That is because he gave line. it to me. That is the best line. That comes in the second arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. What is the most interesting about this first arc? For me, I guess, is the introduction of this, uh, what's Cammy mm-hmm. is the girl's name, and this Cammy. hookup between the monster yeah. and the innocent slash not-so-innocent child and how they're going to have adventures together. Mm-hmm. And... The fact that they think that Drax is dead, and the and she's like, "Well, can I have him?" And the scroll's like, "Eh," doesn't really say anything, and so she just goes around telling everyone that Drax belongs to her because the scroll gave, gave it, it to her. her. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. And the story is, it's really just a giant fight. Mm-hmm. Really, is what it is. Yeah. Um. But I will say that the jump between the first part of the book and the second part of the book, where all of a sudden the Nova Corps starts. And you don't see Drax for I don't know several pages. Mm-hmm. Instantly, instantly had me going. Um, now I don't care for the second half of this book very much until the character came back in and, and it got more exciting. Any thoughts on the first first half of the story, Rodrigo? I I definitely thought that it was strong, and it was strong because of the relationship between Drax and and Cammy. Mm-hmm. Um, although I really like Pybok, and I don't know that he the the That's scroll. The- Oh, the scroll. His name is Pybok. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know that. I don't know that he ever shows up again. Like he's basically this like enabling agent, right. To get the characters back together. And I was like, I actually want to know more about this scroll. He's kind of awesome. He ends up wearing a cool suit at the end. Yeah, and he. Uh, yeah, he's wearing a suit, and he eventually just after he realizes that they can't build an escape ship, mm-hmm. instead of sticking around on Earth, is like, hey, I'm pressing this uh, alert button to let people yep. know where we are because. I don't want to stick around here, and I'm just going to admit defeat. Yep. Now, is he a super scroll, or is he a just a scroll? scroll? Just a regular scroll. Yeah. He, okay. He, no, he is not a regular scroll. Pybok the Power Scroll is, is in fact, a uh, not a super scroll per se, but he is a he is a scroll who has gone through enhancements. He dates back to Fantastic Four in, like, the 90s, about the time they blew up Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. He's the one who sent um, Lijah to impersonate Alicia Masters and marry the Human Torch. Mm-hmm. So Pybok the Power Scroll has like laser vision and electrical energy and ice and stuff. So he has a ton of different powers of, of like the, the Super Scroll uh, thingama in the yeah. Super Scroll vein, yeah. but isn't himself a Super Scroll. Okay. Um. But the other characters, the the hairy guy, the guy with all the hair in his face, mm-hmm. and the two blood brothers, uh, lunatic, didn't really do anything for me. I don't, I don't know that they're really supposed well, to. And even the little whiny boy, the little kid that wets himself every five pages, mm-hmm. what an annoying character. I mean, of, <laughs> of all the characters that you think who's into this kind of stuff, who would really get into the alien invasion aspect of it and the fact that they're superheroes and everything, you'd think that he would kind of get into this. But he doesn't. He just spends the entire arc just like ah, ah, you know and then trying to call the fantastic four uh calls their main number it's like if you would like to inquire about our tours press one if you would like to find out about our grant proposal press two uh, that that i thought was humorous but yeah. that was a that was really a wasted character uh so it was cammy the scroll and and drax that are the most mm-hmm. interesting and uh and then we get into well, the second arc. We'll the ahead, Blood Matthew. Brothers and, and Lunatic basically appear... Wow, there's quite a delay. The Blood Brothers and Lunatic basically appear as part of you know Marvel's character reclamation program. 
because they are both older characters. I think Lunatic was uh, Keith Giffen's attempt to do Lobo for Marvel, uh, whereas the Blood Brothers date back to some of the original Drax storylines from Iron Man in the 70s. But they're basically there for the people who know who they are to go, hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. They're basically they're window dressing with a recognizable name. Okay. Um. Whoops. There goes Matthew again. Bye bye gonna, Matthew. I'm just gonna try calling him without the video and see if that helps. I'm not gonna turn on video. I'm just gonna see if that helps. Okay. Um. Let's see here. Give me a one two three. One two three. Three. All right, so you're about a second off. Okay. So then we get into the second book, and this is where the story goes into outer space and becomes a big space opera, or as some other people have said, a cosmic opera. Uh, and we're introduced, well, we're not introduced to the Nova Corps because apparently the Nova Corps has been around for a long time. I am introduced to the Nova Corps for the first time, and it is a huge space police force Mm -hmm. huh so i've heard about these space police forces before from another company Mm -hmm. so that wasn't too uh too surprising to see that and we get to meet the uh nova the earth earth man right nova officer and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose we're being attacked Ah! (laughs) we got movie sign and the fight's over yeah. And he's the sole survivor of the entire Nova Corps. And the world mind says, yeah. hey, you got to save me. I am the sum of all knowledge. I am the brainiac of the Marvel Universe. Yep. That's and what I, he says, too. That's how smart actually, he is. The, the world mind says, it is critical that you uh, revamp your character and try to be more popular now. <laughs> yes. And so the world we will, mind. We will retcon the part about you being one of the new warriors. Uh, the world mind downloads its entire be- being, including the Nova Force. Into I forget what this guy's name is. Yep, what's his name? Richard Ryder. Richard Ryder mm-hmm. of Long Island, New York. Okay, and so he becomes this all. It is actually one of the one of the uh, traditions of Marvel Comics that Ryder is one of the few New Yorkers who actually talks like that. Oh, okay. Um, he becomes the I Force Cosmic essentially. He's got. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm guessing that when you look at the entire universe as far as powerful forces go, you've got Galactus, mm-hmm. Thanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver Surfer. Are you putting these all in the same category? Yeah, as far as like having I, super I cosmic nah, power. you wouldn't put Galactus so, uh, and the Silver Surfer in the same I category. I would say. Then you've got the, but, the Nova but, Force but Nova, and Quasar. Yeah, Nova Force and the power cosmic that that the um, that Silver Surfer has would be in the same. Like the entirety of the Nova power okay. would be on par with the power cosmic. Okay, and then so where does Quasar fit in all that? Probably around there, maybe a little below. Okay. So their attack. Quasar is probably a step below Nova, but I would say that uh, Thanos is probably a step above the Silver Surfer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't put Thanos with the Silver. Like Thanos is, it's like probably Galactus. Galactus right. number one. Galactus number one, or you know, course, crazy, sure. crazy cosmic characters that we don't actually care about above Galactus. Right. Right. Then Galactus. Then right. Thanos. Scylla and Charybdis, mm-hmm. whoever they are. Right. Then below that, the Silver Surfer, Nova, and Quasar. Um, then below that, probably Quasar and Drax, because Drax, you know, he doesn't shoot right. crazy things, or well, at least not yet. But he is, you know, super duper indestructible and mega awesome, so he's kind of on that 
Okay. Like way, he's yeah. like at Wolverine levels mm-hmm. of indestructible and okay. awesome. So then, except Wolverine for good be, reason, Wolverine would be below Drax. Um. Yeah. Probably. Okay. All right. So um, at, at least uh, in 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 any in an intelligent estimate, he would be. <laughs> in practice, no. Uh, Wolverine and Galactus are probably on par on the same same yeah. power level. So it turns out Drax and Cammy are survivors of this attack. They uh, they were on uh, detention. They're being held in detention at the Nova headquarters. Uh, so Nova, Drax, and Cammy have to team up to get the heck off the planet. Uh, Nova unleashes his Nova Force and destroys some of the uh, some of the Annihilus wave, which catches the attention of Annihilus, who's mm-hmm. like, "Wait a minute, what's that? Power surge? Take me to it!" Because apparently Annihilus can drain power, right? I mean, that's his his yeah. deal. Yeah, that's a shtick. That's- it's kind of what the negative zone is oh, okay. in general. Okay. So they pour it out of there. They open a giant wormhole, and they arrive on this other planet where they're trying to evacuate, and that's where Quasar is at. Mm-hmm. And they make the decision to stand and fight while the uh, while the population escapes. It's almost think of it as a Star Wars Episode uh, Five: Empire Strikes Back, where they're trying to get off the planet Hoth, mm-hmm. and everybody sticks around while the ion pulse cannon fires out mm-hmm. and the empire is attacking. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And and we're all going to fly the same direction. Yes, exactly. Right into that another space. wormhole that's been created. Um, and I guess Annihilus ar- arrives amidst all the fighting and Nova and Quasar decide to take the fight to Annihilus and bust off his head all the while Drax is feeding him information. Um, saying, hey, you got to calm yourself. You can't lose control. And they go in and fight and fight and fight, and Quasar dies. Mm-hmm. Nova yeah. lives. And there's some very cool trick that uh, that Nova does to defend uh, off the Annihilus wave. What is that, Rodrigo? The gravimetric pulse. No, well, he does something because Annihilus wants the power. Mm-hmm. And he grabs a hold of Nova, and yeah. Nova and the world mind do something where they use the brief moment that they're in contact with one another to send a message to the hive mind, essentially saying, attack one another, and they start destroying one another, and Annihilus has to obliterate ha- you know, a bunch of his drones. Uh, drones and retreat for a while. Mm-hmm. So I guess there is a bit of a victory in this. Oh yeah, it's it's that at I mean, the cost of millions of lives. Well, it's not a victory. It's the good guys get away despite failing. Right, right. Or, right. or I, I mean, it, it's not like yeah. they were like the whole. Oh, let's take on Annihilus. It's like crap. Annihilus is <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, 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 Somebody yeah. has to beat him up. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. which I thought, which I thought was very was actually strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was yeah. it was well written, and the way that they get away because the world mind is a giant computer. Right. The world mind can't actually access the Nova Force as such. Um. So that's why it needs Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he actually plugs the the world mind into the annihilation wave and it basically it 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 gives them a virus. Yes, um, that's, ex- that's exactly, exactly what, what it does. It does and, yeah. You know, it, but it's pretty cool, and that's how they get away. Is just basically by saying in 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 a cosmic sense, looking at the bad guys and saying, "Hey, what's that over there?" and then just running in the opposite direction. Well, they have uh, that Jeff Goldblum uh, version of. I was going to say, I remember that seeing that. Allows you in, to upload a virus. Yes, I yeah, saw that exactly. in Independence Day. Uh, S fix eight. 
Well, Xfixiate says, I have to admit I've been a big fan of the Cosmic Opera since reading Jim Starlin's work with Warlock and the Silver Surfer. While Starlin's work will always be what I judge other stories by, Annihilation was a really good story. Starting with the rebirth of Drax, not the Destroyer, which I thought was a funny kind of gag that they ran throughout the mm-hmm. throughout that arc. Uh, introduction of Cammy, yeah. who is still out there somewhere. To making Annihilus into an interstellar threat, the story reset the balance of Marvel's cosmic powers. Seeing how this story has led to Conquest, Realm of Kings, War of Kings, and the Thanos Imperative, most of which are good, let me take uh, even uh, let's see. Let's me let's take, me take even, even more, more enjoyment from it. Larry King, Chicago says, "I really wanted to read this. I really did, but I had to abide by my self-imposed no event cosmic stance. Comics, comic stance. I'm sorry, but it could be cosmic too. Because yeah. you know, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the big cosmic space opera stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, during Fifty Two, the whole Lobo, Adam Strange stuff was not a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, the- Honestly." I I was never either. There's a re- like I didn't know anything about Nova. I didn't know anything about Adam Warlock. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about these guys except for the Silver Surfer, and that's largely through the Fantastic Four, right? Um, and Super Scroll, mm-hmm. um, which I was sad that was not actually in this because I got into Annihilation. And I was like, really? They're actually like writing stuff for Super Scroll? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, but. That's what's good about it is that Marvel was like, yeah, nobody knows who these guys are. Mm -hmm. And Annihilation is written from that standpoint. It Mm -hmm. gives you plenty of information so that you can at least, you know, at the very least say, I know what that guy's place is in this universe, even if you don't know their whole backstory. Right. Larry goes on to say, I saw this book in the store. It was volume one and it was packed. I made my mind up then and there. I will, uh, I will pass on Annihilation. It was just too dang much. Uh, I like some of the characters, but not enough to put my time or money into this tale. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of these characters, mm. but I, I did enjoy this book. Mm-hmm. I think it may be worth your time to pick up well, or at least check out from the library. Matt. Larry, Larry's point is a good one, though. I mean, I go into Annihilation knowing who most of these characters are, and even I have points where the way Annihilation was presented and especially the way it's collected can be really off-putting this collection the drax the destroyer mini was not actually a an annihilation themed thing it came out a few months before annihilation as kind of a prequel mm-hmm. jumping from that straight into annihilation uh whatever it is the, um, the annihilation wave issue where all of a sudden bam we're on xandar and everybody dies right and then it's four issues of nova at the same time that the four issues of Nova are coming out, there's four issues of Super Scroll, there's four issues of Silver Surfer, and there's four issues of Ronan the Accuser or something. Mm-hmm. So those four books take place kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And when I was buying Annihilation off the stands, I would buy the issues, and you get a Nova 1, you get Silver Surfer 1, you get Nova 2, you get Silver Surfer 2. Basically, this story... And I've never been in a war, but I've seen Ken Burns documentaries. <laughs> and this this story is the only time a comic book series has ever successfully said to me, this is just like what I saw in that Ken Burns documentary. Because mm-hmm. Nova and Quasar don't save the day. Drax doesn't save the day. Galactus alone doesn't save the day. It takes a number of battles. It takes a number of battles where people lose. It takes time and effort 
for Nova and Drax and, and you know, the rest of these people and Star-Lord eventually to mm-hmm. build up a resistance to where they have a force that can counter the Annihilation Wave, at which point, you know, they win with a decisive battle. But even then, it's not just, woohoo, superheroes win. There's stuff that comes out of that. And there are consequences. Now, granted, Quasar doesn't stay dead, but it's the Marvel Universe. Nobody stays mm-hmm. dead. Quasar doesn't stay dead, but Quasar's death was pretty impressive to me at yeah. the time. Because, yeah, he's not a high-level Avenger, but Quasar is an Avenger. Right. He's basically the guy they call in when the Avengers need to have their space presence. He's mm-hmm. Avenger Green Lantern, basically. Rico. And to have him die and to have... To have Nova jump into a situation where the last guy who had the entire Nova force in his mind went El Bonzo Seiko and killed hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So, I mean, even at that point, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Rico says, first of off, Annihilation should be read in one shot. A trade a week, then the next two days later, and so on, uh, just so you don't forget what's going on. Second of all, as a whole, this is a great series that elevated Nova from super loser status. Uh, he gained from being part of the New Warriors. Um, it's great because of who participated in this and Thanos finally gets the girl. <laughs> um, Damascus says, Hey, you guys, I've been waiting for you to review this for a while now. To me, it was a phenomenal series. Really cared about the space stories. Uh, I picked this series up at mid Ohio con. I love that. It introduced me to a lot of characters that I didn't have much experience with and really built many of those characters into more faceted iterations of the characters that I did know. And that, you know, I will say that's the one thing that I appreciated in the Nova section was at the end of each issue, you had these descriptions, kind of these Marvel history pages Mm -hmm. of who these characters were. And I read those and I was like, Oh, this is very cool. It even showed you where the attacks were going compared to, you know, where the uh, Kree space was and the scroll space was and the contested zone and where the Milky way was and all that. And the my space was. Yes. Um, Where the crawl space was. Damascus finishes up by saying, I'm not usually big on event titles either. I like 52, hated most of Countdown, didn't bother with Blackest Night or Dark Rain. Uh, but without this series, we ultimately wouldn't have gotten the Guardians of the Galaxy again. So that alone is worth it right there. Final thoughts, Matthew, on this series. We've, we've mentioned 52 a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it's important to mention that one of the minds behind 52, Keith Giffen, is one of the minds behind Annihilation. Aha! <clears throat> Giffen, Giffen is the one who revamped Drax again. Giffen is probably the one who dug up characters like the Infant Terrible and the Blood Brothers and, you know, eventually the Phalanx. Giffen is probably the guy who went, you remember this schmuck? Let's bring this schmuck back rather than make up a new schmuck. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who wrote the Nova series, um, are they're weird writers for me in that I hated them on Legion of Superheroes. I cannot get enough of anything and everything they do in the Marvel Universe. So, I mean, this series takes characters who were pretty much devalued or characters that no one had ever heard of in the case of Star-Lord. It takes them, it repositions them, makes them interesting to a wider audience. It makes, you know, it revamps whatever damage they've had. It it takes characters and puts them in a setting that we haven't seen before. And it gives us war from a comic book perspective that's actually believable. And I think, you know, just for those three bits and pieces, it makes Annihilation worth reading. 
Rodrigo. Hello, my name is Rodrigo. And for a long time, I've been talking about um, basically the Marvel Universe being split into two camps Mm -hmm. um, of superheroes. The superheroes that work as superheroes and the superheroes that don't work as superheroes and thus continually fail and lose their titles and people can't get into them. Right. There was this renaissance at Marvel where somebody either consciously or subconsciously say, hey, let's take all those guys that aren't actually superheroes and write them as whatever they actually are. Iron Fist as a kung fu, as a 60s kung fu movie, Ghost Rider as a cowboy, Thor as an epic hero, all of these space characters as the crew of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. you know, or the characters from Star Wars. And that's what Annihilation is. Annihilation is all of these characters that you may or may not know, but it doesn't actually matter all that much whether you know them or not, because I find that they are both faithful revamps, but also revamps of old characters. So, you know, maybe Drax is not what he used to be, but it's fine because he's actually a little bit, you know, sharper now. Right. Which is good because he cuts things up a lot. (laughs) Um, I would say if you've wanted to get into Marvel space stuff, which I hear is largely being canceled now, um, (laughs) definitely pick up Annihilation book one. The the only problem with Annihilation is it's like it's three volumes. Yeah. and sometimes it's really not straightforward because there were because there was a huge event and there were multiple people writing these books. Um, so, I mean, for example, the cover to Annihilation Book One has six characters on it, three of which don't actually appear in this book. Yeah, um, one of them's Wolverine. Yes, one of them is actually it's a scroll pretending to be um, Dokken pretending to be Wolverine. Oh, okay, <laughs> but uh, you know it's. Definitely, again, if you find yourself saying, hey, you know, I really like what Straczynski did with Thor. I really like what uh, Brubaker did with Iron Fist. Jason Aaron. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe you should pick up Annihilation to see your Marvel characters in a different light. Uh, I would say it's certainly worth checking out. Pick it up from the library first if you don't want to invest the money because that's a, what, a $25 book or yeah. something? Yeah. It's a thirty dollar uh, thirty dollar book. book. So nice hardcover with a yeah, slipcase slip cover. I like dust jacket. I like that. Yep. Um, extra it's well stuff done. In the back. Nice printing. Extra stuff in there. There's a nice breakdown of the evolution of how they were coming up with uh, some of the story elements and characters. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's it's a good book. I enjoyed the story. Um, I, like I said, I'm not big on the cosmic mm-hmm. events, so I'm probably not interested in reading the other two two books. Uh, but you might be, and it. it the characters are interesting. I like the interchange. I say pick it up at your library, check it out, and then later go and, and buy the entire uh, series if you liked it that much. So mm-hmm. there you go. All right, everybody. That is it for this uh, this issue. Thank you so much for sticking around. I know we went a little bit longer than usual. It's uh, Consider it your Thanksgiving uh, extra serving yep. that you're going to have. Perhaps. You know, you're still driving to your mom's house. Yep. Yeah, probably if you are driving. Uh, perhaps you want to rewind this and start over from the beginning. <laughs> Next week, I don't know what we're going to do next week. I forgot to make a note of what we're talking about next week. Uh, But we're going to be back here talking about comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we'll talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010